If you will open with me in Philippians. Philippians was a letter that Paul wrote to his church, his church in Philippi, while he was sitting in a Roman prison. And this is what he wrote in verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let those words sink in. Those are powerful words. Those words are meant for us today, the church, just as much as it was meant for the church at Philippi. God is doing a new thing in home church. We've seen it all year. But recently, as I've been praying, he's been reminding me that I'm not done yet. And you know what that means? It's not home church. It's you that are sitting in here. Whether you've been here for years, whether you've been here today is your first day, whether you're watching online. It's not about home church, because we are the church, the people, those that are coming here that are visiting, that are attending, that are watching. He's about to do a new thing even more than we can imagine. And this verse, as I was preparing, and believe me, I was on vacation, sitting on the beach, I was meditating on this, all that good stuff. Uh, It's been three weeks since I preached, and believe me, I've been chomping at the bit. Uh, I do want to thank Pastor Jeff, Mark Tedford, and Mallory Reed the last three weeks. But I'm ready to get back into it. And so, um, as I'm going through Philippians and preparing for this, actually this week, about three days ago, is when I landed on this verse. So I want to read it again, and I'm going to read it slowly this time, and I want you to just sit there and think about this. Paul writes this. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let that sink in for a minute. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart in regards to this verse. Because there are some things that we foundationally have to get right with all of us in here, all of you watching online, before we can move forward. Because in the next three weeks, I'm actually going to preach about what we're going to be doing to add on to the other things that God has us doing as a church that are going to require your individual participation. See, there are some of you that weren't here yesterday, and that's okay. I know we have busy lives, we have families, we have things we got going on, but we're not going to need an event anymore for us to represent Jesus in our community. Because individually, we all have responsibility to preach and advance the gospel. And that's what I'm going to talk about. So I don't know why you're here today, why you're watching online. I don't know what your needs are. I don't know what it is you're struggling through. I don't know if you've been coming here for your entire life. You've been part of the church, or maybe like me, about half my life, I've been following Jesus and a part of this church. Maybe you've never even thought about following Jesus or being a part of the church. But for some reason, you're here today, and you're watching online, and today, God is going to do a new thing in you. So with that being said, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the fact that you have begun, or you're going to begin, a good work in us. For the very reason to forward the gospel, to bring 
that good work to completion before Jesus comes back. And Father, I thank you that there are open hearts in here to receive, ears to hear. And I thank you that lives will be transformed today, not because of my might or my power, but because of your spirit. It will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writes, and I am sure of this, that phrase, think about it, he's sitting in a Roman prison, writing back to his church in Philippi, and he is sure of one thing, and we're going to get that, into that here in a minute, because I am sure of this. In other words, as we read through this, he knows his church. He knows the people that are serving God alongside him. Even though they can't be there with him in jail, he knows that they're continuing the work of advancing the gospel. He also knows that they are fellow believers. So he goes, I am sure of this, that he who, the next three words, who is the he and the who? That would be God. That is our Father God. That is not some distant entity. It's not some man's imagination. That is the one true living God. The he who represents personal, represents God who wants a relationship with you. That is the he who. So Paul is sure that he who did what? Began a good work in you. So for those of us that are following Jesus, those of us who have asked him into our hearts, who have said, yes, Lord, I am a sinner. I turn away from my sin. I believe in you. I believe that because you died on the cross for my sins and that you are risen today from the dead, that I am saved, that I am born again, that I am a new creation, that I belong to your family. That is the good work that it begins in you. So my question is, has that good work begun in you? We got to get this right, because if you want to be a part of God's church, not just home church, but God's church, this is foundational. This is important that you get this into your heart, that the good work begins in you, because God loves you so much that he wants to begin that good work. So what is that good work? So I'm going to bounce around a little bit today. Is that okay? Let's go into verse 7. Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Whether you're part of this church or not, you're here. You're watching online. I feel this way towards you in my heart. For you all are partakers with me of grace. Sit on that phrase for a minute. Partakers with me of grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is what God gives to us. When every one of us that's here and watching online, we deserve death. We deserve destruction. 
that God sent his one and only son to save us, that is grace. When we don't deserve Jesus, yet he sent him to die and to rise for us. That is tremendous grace. So if you're in here today or watching online and you have not received Jesus, we're going to get that right, right now. And I want to explain something using the word. If you will, please turn to me, turn with me, not turn to me, (laughs) to Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 8 is where we're going to start. And I've read this in here before, but we're going to do it again because this is awesome. For by what? Grace. Okay, hello, partakers of grace. That's all of us. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. So if you're here today and you're thinking that somehow you have to be good enough, that your works have to outweigh your bad, your sin, Somehow, you have to earn your way into God's good grace, which we just sang about with the first worship song this morning, right? No, you do not. I was raised Catholic. Nothing against the Catholics, but I was raised Catholic based on works, hoping that somehow you'll get into heaven. What Paul writes here in Ephesians, it's by grace, by God's grace, by God's goodness, by his unmerited favor for you, you have been saved through faith. He goes on to say what I'm saying to you. This is not your own doing. It is a gift from God or of God. A gift. Whenever I get a gift, I didn't earn that. Somebody freely gave it to me. I want you to have this. I don't expect the payment back. Maybe a thank you note, which that's why we praise and worship God, right? That's our thank you note for giving us the gift. But I give you this gift freely to not a result of works so that no one may boast. In other words, you can't kind of walk around with swagger saying, yeah, man, I know Jesus and I got saved because I did this, this, and this. Uh Uh-uh. Stay away from those people. That's religious. Now, it is grace that God gives us through faith. It's a gift. Jesus is a gift that he gave to us that we freely receive. We can't boast about it. He goes on to say, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So once I get saved and I receive Jesus, now I want to do good works for him. As Peter says, to do good and not evil. That's why I am saved. That's why I'm still on this earth after I receive Jesus. Goes on to say, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Church, we're going to walk more in them, those good works. We have to. If I can go on a segue for a little bit here before I move on. The world and the pressures of the world are coming upon us. And it's trickling down to us individually. We're feeling it in our own lives, aren't we? And the world is crying out for an answer. Crying out for for something to save them. 
And it's not something, it's someone. And his name is Jesus. Pastor Jeff and I, the other Pastor Jeff, we sign a religious exemption, a religious exemption for somebody whose business is telling them they must be vaccinated. There's companies that are requiring you to receive the COVID-19 vaccination before you can come to work. That's the kind of world that we're living in right now. And it's going to get worse. Now, I'm not saying this to to fearmonger, but I'm telling you this because we're in that season where the church has to be the church outside of these walls. We don't sit in a pew. We don't worship from a hymnal. And we call that church. That's not church. That's part of what the church does. But in between Sundays, there's so much more that we have to do. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So before, before I get into the rest of my message, I want everybody's head to be bowed right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and it's not a prayer that saves you. It's faith for Jesus in your heart that triggers that good grace to come upon you and to save you from your sin. It's that repentance of the things that you've done wrong and the sins in your life that only you know about, maybe some others know about, but God surely knows about, that you give to him and say, listen, this is what I've done. I'm asking you to forgive me. That's going to save you. So I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. If and only if you mean it. Say this with me. Father God, I just want to thank you for this day. I am a sinner. And I repent of my sin. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin as I turn away from it. I thank you for Jesus that he died on the cross for my sins and that you have raised him from the dead. And Jesus, I ask you into my heart. I ask you to make me new, to cleanse me of my sin, to be the Lord of my life and to give me the strength as I follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, be bold and raise your hand. If you're online and you prayed that prayer for the first time, be bold and add that to the comments so that we know. Awesome. Awesome. So let's go back to verse 7 in Philippians chapter 1. So Paul says, for you are all partakers of me of grace. So I just explain that saving grace that God has offered us through his son Jesus. But I want to go back into something that Pastor Jeff preached on a couple weeks ago, and that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And Paul writes this. So give a little bit of context Paul admits that he's been dealing with something in his life, call it a thorn in his side, 
which all of us in here have got something that we're dealing with in our life that's considered a thorn, amen? And of course, he, he's prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it. And this is what God said. He said to me, my what? Grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So grace is not just what God offers us through Jesus to save us, but it's also his power. And there's a reason for why we need his power, because we're left here on this earth to advance the gospel, to advance what we just received, the grace from Jesus, right? So we need that power. And what I love about this is Paul admits that I have weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. We all have things that that seemingly hold us back. And what does that weakness do? What do those weaknesses do? They, they, They attract like a magnet the power of God. That's why Paul says I boast more about these weaknesses because the more I am weak, then God is more strong in my life. It's almost like the more that I can't, the more God can Let me tell you, man, (laughs) that is so true in my life. The more I feel like I can't, the more he does. The more I feel like I can't love somebody, the more he loves somebody through me. The more I can't heal somebody as much as I want them to be healed, the more that opens up his power through me to heal that person that I'm laying hands on. The more that I feel like I can't get up here and preach the word because of something going on with me or whatever, the more he preaches the word through me. It's that power that's attracted by our weakness like a magnet. That is the other part of grace. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is Jesus. So he saves us, but now he's going to talk to us about that grace, that power. This is what he said. But you will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So, I'm going to camp on this for a minute. God has given you desires. He's given you dreams. And those are good things. For me, when I was growing up, my desire, my dream, was to be in the military. And he gave me that for a few years. And then my desires changed to go into pharmaceutical sales. And I did that for 14 years. And then he changed my desires again. And now here I am, going on about seven years now in full-time ministry. Your desires and your dreams that you have, that he's placed in you, that is your mission field. Embrace those things. Because God, who's already seen your life happen before him, from the beginning to the end, 
sees that your desires and dreams will take you places where you'll be able to reach people for him. So those desires and dreams, embrace them and follow them because they are your mission field. I represented Jesus when I was in the military. I represented him in pharmaceutical sales to the point where I got a call from human resources one day. I represent him now. Desires in the dreams. That is your mission field. You're going to touch people that I can't touch because you know people around you that I don't know. And for whatever reason, they're not here with you right now in this building. Why is that? Your purpose is to advance the gospel. That's why you're still here. Your dreams and desires are just the avenue to which you can basically fulfill that purpose. But what you need, what we all need, what we prayed for in this room before you all showed up was for God's power to fall upon us. And that is the Holy Spirit. And I'm not knocking other churches, but some churches have shied away from allowing the Holy Spirit to move. Which, if I'm honest with you, you cannot block the Holy Spirit from moving. So here's what I'm going to do. Before I do it, I was raised Catholic. And I've said this to some of you before. Some of you that are watching online. Know my testimony. When I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I thought the person that was leading me, which was my mother-in-law, was crazy. And as she went through the process of praying with me and being an example of what praying in the Spirit with other tongues looks like, and I started to step out in faith to do that, then I was on the ground crying. My wife put her hand on my back. She said, you were hot to the touch. I started to break out in a sweat, and I was praying in the Spirit. Like, God had to really show me, now this is true. Because he knew one day I'd be up here doing what I'm doing now. I am confident that if you ask for the Holy Spirit to fall, just like Jesus, he's a free gift. He will fall upon you. And the evidence of that is speaking in other tongues. So I want to read this portion of Acts chapter 2 to you right now. Verse 1 through 4. The coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Hello. We're all together in one place right now. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them excuse me, and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Everybody bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to repeat these words. Father God, I call upon the Holy Spirit to fall on me 
to fill me up with your power. As Jesus said, to be his witnesses. And I receive the power of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. I'm going to start to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to ask you by faith to do what I'm doing. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. With nobody looking around, everybody's head still bowed. If you did that for the first time, even if it was just a little bit, raise your hand. see that hand. see that hand. If you're online, if you're online and you did that for the first time, then please note in the comments section so we can rejoice with you. That is his grace. That is his power. And now you are filled. And now God will use you mightily for his kingdom. So why? Why, as Paul says, why do we receive this grace? Why are we all partakers of this grace? Because if we go back to verse 6, there's a second portion of that verse that I want to break down. He goes, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, hello, all of you, he's begun a good work in you now, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What is it that he's going to bring to completion? What is it? The good work. He's going to bring it to completion. Those people that you have contact with that I don't, He foresaw it. He knows that you're going to reach them. Hopefully. He's given you an opportunity to bring you along and to have you be part of his plan. To bring it to completion. Because Jesus is coming back soon. At the day of Christ. And we as believers, we will be judged. For whether or not That work was brought to completion. So if we go to verse 5, the the verse before verse 6, this is what Paul says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, partnership in the gospel, we are all partners in the gospel. Paul was sitting in jail and he knew that his church in Philippi 
we're still partners with him in the gospel. We are partners in the gospel. It's not just my responsibility or Pastor Jeff's responsibility or Pastor Elijah's responsibility, our youth pastor, or Josh, our worship leader, his responsibility to promote and advance the gospel. We are all partners in that. To find more clues as to what that looks like, let's continue again in verse 7. For you are all partakers of me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. We are to defend and confirm it. The world right now is pushing against it. The devil right now is pushing against your life. And our defense of the gospel is just not public, but it's also in our personal life. As trials and things hit us, one thing after another, we need to stand on God's word and say, no devil. We are to defend it. There are opportunities also in the public where we'll have to defend it. And you'll know when that time comes. In the next three weeks, I hopefully, through God's strength, We'll be able to prepare you on how to do that. And then we're there to confirm it. Somebody says, man, I, I, I need healing. And you reach over to that next cubicle and lay hands on your coworker, and you pray and they receive healing. Who or what just did that to me? Well, let me tell you who. Confirm it. You can't confirm it if you're doing nothing. Let's move on to verse 12. In closing, so what Paul says these next few verses define your purpose. So if you're sitting in here or watching online and you're like, what is my purpose in life? Now that I'm a believer, or I've been a believer for a long time, now that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I have His power, I have His grace, what is my purpose? I know a lot of young people, maybe even some of you who are in retirement right now are asking, what is my purpose? Well, Paul is going to talk to you here in a minute about what that is. And, and I welcome that. I hope we have a room full of people in here that wants to know what the meaning of life is, and what is their purpose for existing? It's taken me a, a number of years to figure that out. And I've been walking with Jesus for 25 years. And I really, I think, understand what my purpose is. So whether you're young, whether you're old or in between, and you're still trying to figure out what that is, Paul is going to tell us right now and I love God's word because God's word as it was penned 2,000 years ago means just as much today as it did then Paul's not just writing to Philippi he's writing to us and this is what he says I want you to know brothers think about that you're his brother 
You're his sister in the Lord. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, being in prison for Jesus, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What has happened to Paul? If you don't know who Paul is, he's an apostle. He is credited along with Peter as beginning the early church. It's the reason why we have church now. It's because Paul was responsible for spreading the gospel and spreading the church to all the Gentiles, those who were non-Jewish. And he went through a lot. He was shipwrecked. He was tortured. He was imprisoned. He was stoned. Yet he kept on moving because he had the power of God resting upon him. What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That is his testimony. Every one of you have a testimony. Every one of you have been through so much. Every one of you have seen God's hand upon your life and help you move through whatever it is you're going through. You all have a testimony. Well, yeah, Pastor Jeff, but I'm still hurting. I'm still in pain. I'm still dealing with this. I'm still dealing with that. How can you tell me God has moved in my life and that I have a testimony? It's because you're still breathing. And you still have people that you can influence. Your testimony is to serve the advancement of the gospel. And why is that? How does that happen? Paul goes on in verse 13. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So the Roman guard all his fellow prisoners. Paul is living his testimony and they're all coming to know Jesus because of it. That's how it serves to advance the gospel. He goes on in verse 14, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. So everybody that knows about him being in prison, it's building the confidence of all the fellow believers. That's part of why, as Jeff preached a couple weeks ago, that we are to boast in our weakness. We boast about our weaknesses so that people can see God's grace in our life and see our testimony being walked out. And we're still serving God. And we're still preaching Jesus. We're still laying hands on the sick. We're still casting out demons. And that should give confidence to every one of us as we are partnering in the gospel. So the church of Philippi are emboldened because they know Paul is in prison, still preaching Jesus. And he goes on to say, and the reason why he knows that the brothers are more confident is because they are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Man, how many of you, how many of you are, are, are silenced because you are afraid to open your mouth and to tell somebody about Jesus or even to invite them to church? Pastor Jeff, I'm shy. I'm reserved. 
how many people know that about you? If you work in an office or an environment where you're the quiet one, the moment you open your mouth and say, you know what? God led on my heart to give you this invitation card and come check out uh, his presence, come experience him at home church. They're going to look at you like, who the heck are you? You're the quiet one. You never say anything. It's because you open your mouth and you're more bold to speak the gospel without fear is the reason why God's going to be able to move on that person's heart or those people's hearts and they're going to come here or they're going to tune in online. I'm going long and I apologize. Not really. We, as home church, are leading people into a growing and spirit-filled relationship with Jesus Christ. Spirit-filled being the key phrase in there. Growing being another key phrase in that. The second part is we are to seek the welfare of the city. We did that yesterday. We had one person receive Jesus yesterday, and hopefully a whole lot more want to come and check us out. But the third part that we're launching today is that we're going to be a church that boldly advances the gospel. And that should excite you. That, that is what all this is about. So with everything God has given you, His power, His grace, His love, His Son, His purpose, with everything He's given you, we're going to praise Him.